welcome to episode 168 of the Starcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Rocks, but I'm joined today by the man obsessed with every Capcom game released this year, James. Hello. And that's the man nothing... determined to pat every video game dog ever, Stephen. Hi, that, that's very true. Hello. <laughs> I'm having fun with these intros. I see I you having fun say, with that Twitter account as well. Is there anything wrong with, with, my, with being obsessed with every Capcom game? No, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. That yeah. wasn't implying. It was anything oh, wrong with it. Sure. If we're being honest, <laughs> like they've all been very good recently. Like, holy crap, they've all been so yeah. good. Sorry I that I only like quality. <laughs> <laughs> so, Devil May Cry two. I remember that being high quality from our discussion last episode. Mm, definitely. I said this year. <laughs> Yeah, not yeah. Fair necessarily enough. all time. Okay, I can't okay. help it that they've been like getting really good reviews. Not, not my, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could be helping it. You could not be contributing, but then you are. So, mm. just you know, <laughs> just technicalities. Uh, have you guys seen Captain Marvel yet? Yes, Stephen. No. What did you make of it? I thought it was a good fun time, and I like Goose uh-huh. a lot, and I don't want to say anything yes. more. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely benefits from not like is goose yeah, the not cat having anything. Goose is the you. cat. Yeah, yeah. I've like there's thought- this. I I don't know. Don't really know how to say it. It's just this Korean language hashtag that's been going around with other people photoshopping their cats onto the Captain Marvel poster, and it's really good. Oh, really? Um, I have no idea how anyone can find it. You just have to be lucky enough to find someone who's retweeted one. But if I can find <laughs> one, I'll I'll put a link up or retweet it and show if everyone can find it. It's such a fun hashtag to look through. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to look out for those. That sounds just like really wholesome. It's extremely good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, on the show this week, we're going to be discussing day one patches, E3 and VR on the Switch. But let's begin the show by talking about Google's controller. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this in the week, but like basically this pattern emerged of a controller design that was registered under Google's uh, Google's name. Um, and this, uh, this kind of like 3D rendering company i guess people like artists i don't know what the correct terminology is recreated um their sort of take on the design based on this patent and everyone was kind of criticizing it but james did you see the controller what did you make of it it looks a bit gross but i want to touch it first i guess before yeah making judgment about it do you think that's actually what the controller is going to be like i'm not convinced um I mean, it could be. It could also be like it might change. Um, the the arm bits look a bit weird, like the way they kind of slope out. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like it's, it's possible based on, but then you know, look at the PS3 controller before when that got a, revealed for the first time. <laughs> the and boomerang. Like, yeah. Yeah, that never happened. So I don't know. Yeah, it definitely does have like kind of original PlayStation vibes to it. I think maybe that's just the layout of the analog sticks, but. It's kind of got those kind of edges to it that I associate with that. What about yourself, Stephen? Are you a fan? I think it looks disgusting. Like, this, everything, <laughs> it's got such, like, hard edges on the little, I don't quite know what you call yeah. them, the little handly bits. It just looks like it'll hurt to use. And yeah. I don't know, I feel like, is, is this just going to doom this platform from the start if it hurts to play? Like, it just looks like such a horrible thing, and I hope it's not real. I hope it's just like a an example patent to show what kind of features they want to put in without it actually being anywhere near something that's real. Yeah, that's that's what I kind of want need to clarify because my understanding of a patent was that it's just sort of protecting kind of like functionality of a product. 
Yeah, this so looks like design. Like I thought, design registration was a separate thing. I don't um, really get the pattern system, but it looks like it's sort of you know pointing out here's where your Android Home button, your menu button, here's going to be the Google Assistant button. It'll have all of these things, yeah. which are, I mean, kind of unique, but also it's just a different label for a Start Select, and I guess both consoles are doing that at this point, but. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's just... I hope it is just like a feature. It will be a controller with this kind of features and not this because it just looks hostile to hold. It looks like it hurts. Yeah, I definitely sort of get the, the vibe from it as well that it's it's meant to sort of facilitate more than just kind of gaming. Like, this looks like something that could pair with a Chromecast even and sort of like control functionality on a Chromecast, like with the voice assistant button and the sort of home button being there and stuff. I don't know. It's I got think- me... There are More similar controllers to this. Yeah, there are some similar ones out there for, I think, the NVIDIA Shield. It has similar, because that's an Android-based gaming kind of TV box, and that has the same kind of functionality of a Google Assistant button, the you know home menu stuff. So it wouldn't be the mm-hmm. first of its kind, but yeah, it would be. It could potentially be something to control more than just games, as you say. Uh-huh. So I'm guessing sort of from the, the reception to that then, it's not got us any more or less excited for Google's announcement um, at GDC, I think it's scheduled for? No. Reading it, the room? It's it's not increased my <laughs> excitement. I'm, I'm still curious, but I just hope it's not this. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm curious then uh, how the size of the Division's Day 1 patch might influence your excitement for that game. I don't even know what that's it at the moment. It's not a Capcom game, so maybe James doesn't care. Um, but it was revealed that the Division's Day 1 patch is approximately 90 gigabytes in size. Uh, James, have Day 1 patches gone too far? I think it's a bit crazy, but... Um... I mean, it also doesn't... I mean, they don't care. People will still play it. Um, I don't know if, yeah. like, so everybody who buys the game on the day now won't probably be able to play the game on the day, which for a game like this is probably not the best thing to do. Um, yeah, right. But then I'm not sure, like, if they, they would have done this unless they had to. Um, mm. I, my biggest thing is, is like, like a patch, like why is it that big? <laughs> like yeah. Well, let's just say it's it's not adding in assets. I'm assuming mm. it must be. It, it must be, be so right. Big. A substantial like, amount. Otherwise, if that's just 90 gigs of like code, <laughs> it's like and that's a, a lot, lot of, of text. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it seems pretty bonkers. I did some of the number crunching on this, by the way. So, like, assuming you have kind of like a hundred megabit per section uh, per second connection, um, which is kind of like the sort of fastest reach, like fastest speed within reach for most Australians, I feel. Um, that takes a little over two hours to download. Um, but the average Australian connection is only about a quarter of the speed, so it could take upwards of like eight hours um, for to download the game, which seems kind of mental. And I think, James, you're right in sort of pointing out that for a game like this, which is so community-driven, if you're trying to play with your friends, but one of your friends has like a six-hour head start on you just because they've got faster internet, like that's a bit kind bit annoying right it could have some some influence on the community what do you what do you reckon steven is is that a concern i think uh i don't know because i'm not the kind of person who goes into this kind of game like day one and is i don't know say if i was playing the division i my friends would probably wait for me i like to think i know that when i played the first division my friends were very nice and waited for me (laughs) but 
Yeah, and, yeah. I don't or went know back that. and re- like runs through the missions again with you. Yeah, exactly. Just like, hey, I'll you know help you through to to get you up to speed, sort of thing. But I find I don't know. It's really weird how it, it was sort of at this point in game technology where the disc is becoming less and less relevant. Like you go to a shop, mm. you buy a disc, and it's really just an unlock key for the digital version of the game at this point. Like you're downloading yeah. essentially the whole game, and it's. I don't know, getting to the point where you can see, you know, we were talking about that discless Xbox One last week. It's, you can see where this is coming from because the disc is becoming less and less relevant, especially or probably mostly for these service games where, you know, what's on the disc is relevant for about a day and then you're going to have to download a whole bunch afterwards anyway. Yeah, I think that's like part of the thing that's a bit of a head scratcher for me as well. Like how much content is going to be on the disc if it kind of like got printed and then they produced like after that then worked on 90 gig of of content to like add to it because i mean you could assume that the reason that's all in the day one patch is it was kind of done it was like work that was done after the game went gold right Mm. this is where it starts to break down so like how much how much is content is actually on the disc like how big is this game gonna be even on ps4 it's 88 to 92 gigs but then on xbox one it's 48 to 52 like I don't really get that. Yeah, why such a why such a discrepancy? And There's not think, that like much of a difference. Like a Microsoft between. thing where they say that you've got to have this much on the disc or something. Um, I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah, Do you, I wonder if maybe it was like they wanted to avoid kind of packaging two discs like Red Dead did for well, That's cutting a, like whatever publishing cost. I think like Ubisoft doesn't need to cut costs at this point. Like. Discs are cheap too. So many projects in the pipeline, and I doubt it really costs that much more. Mm. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but when you compare it to how much they're going to sell, like I don't, I just feel like it wouldn't be a huge outlay to chuck two discs in. Yeah, unless of course it just wasn't done, which is also a possibility. Yeah, that's my, <laughs> yeah. that's the way I'm leaning. Like they've got enough done, and they figured we we have to get these discs out worldwide. We have to start printing them you have until mm. the game launches to get the rest of it finished and the disc is just going to be, I, I don't know, just whatever was done at the point where they decided we can't leave it any later before we start printing stuff. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's just the kind of like 90 gigs of stuff that needed cleaned up before it was sent out into the world and whatever content they had on the disc was a bit more solid i don't know it's not made me any less excited for the game i'm still really looking forward to it releasing later this week um but i'm kind of less looking forward to e3 this year i gotta admit um ea in the week also announced that they're not going to have a press conference at all um it sounds like they're gonna opt for kind of streams throughout the their sort of two-day ea play event which is sort of tangential to e3 um and i presume kind of make it their announcements that way uh but it all seems a little bit odd um what are your sort of impressions going into E3 this year, James. Are you excited for it, less excited than previous years? I'm not, like, excited, but, like, I'm interested to see where it goes, I guess. Um, I think we're in a weird Uh spot where the new consoles are potentially coming, um, so who Mm. knows what games are coming? Like, no one really wants to announce projects that are going to come out and be be cross-gen well, as much as... Well, they they probably do, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, so you think it's just going to kind of be a quiet year, but I think E3 it could is going to come back strong in 2020 just, or something? It's just so hard to tell, so I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about I, yourself? I, oh, sorry. I personally don't care about EA at the moment. Um, 
Like, as a publisher, nothing they do really excites me. I know Apex is meant to be really good. Um, but then you, you hear everything to do with Apex they were opposed to or didn't want to do. So you're like, hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, Star Wars could be cool. But we're going to see that, I think, next month. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. But for now, I'm just going to wait and see. Yeah, we're just going to have to go and uh, that's our, our age-old approach, but we're just going to have to wait and see what happens, I suppose. But I'm I'm kind of getting a bit concerned. Like, I've always kind of enjoyed E3 from, like, sort of the outsider's perspective and even still sort of, like, moving into, you know, the world that we now inhabit with Press Start. But, like, I, I don't know. I just kind of like that everything's sort of reserved for that one time a year and we kind of get that on sort of announcements and I love like checking my phone like every five minutes for like the latest update and and I love scheduling like all of these press conferences into my calendar and excitedly getting up in the middle of the night to watch them um, and having sort of had some affinity with EA properties in the past I was excited I'm always interested to see what they do with, at E3 they're not usually the best put together live like conferences and maybe sort of a, a pre-prepared stream might be better for them i don't know but yeah i don't know i think like the problem with me is last year i was a pretty good e3 like for me personally um Mm. like new resident evil new devil may cry all coming out within the next year like that's just such a such a home run for like james Um, (laughs) so i just don't have higher hopes for anything topping that this year maybe Mm. i'll be surprised but just personally for me i've yeah, I'm just going to wait, I guess. Yeah, unless they're announcing a release date for The Last of Us, I maybe don't care. Uh, but what's your take on all this, Stephen? Mm. Do you think this will just be like a, a quiet year for E3 and it'll come back strong? Or does this, as like people have been talking about for for a while, kind of spell the end of E3 and it's sort of you know fading into the background a bit more? I don't know. Like I feel that Xbox or Microsoft in general are kind of the only ones still doing anything major. I guess there's probably the Ubisoft stuff and, and I don't know what, ever was going on with that pc gaming thing but i assume that's still going on um but i don't know it's just like you've got nintendo haven't been doing their conference sort of thing at e3 for a while and you know, sony have pulled out ea are kind of been a little bit experimental the last few years however long ago it was that they did that train wrecked like the uh, streamer influencer focused one that yeah they've, they've been trying a few new things because clearly they're not really just wanting the whole an executive comes out announces all the games you clap for it and that's the end of it i guess they want to move past that but I don't know. It's, yeah. they, it sounds like they might be doing a bit of a Nintendo thing if they're doing those streams throughout, so they're not having a physical conference presence. But I guess they still want to take advantage of the, and I guess the excitement and the fact that people are all going to be checking their phones like you were every five minutes. Um, you know, I guess yeah. if they announce things, it doesn't have to be at a press conference. It still gets the word out there. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And they seem to sort of like their messaging is all we want to see like less talk and more play. Um, and it definitely they're trying to make it more of like a like a fan event and get people like having sort of hands on time with the games and maybe it is as simple as they sort of like have a different stream for each announcement and then kind of cut to like 30 minutes of gameplay or whatever like they sort of done with the the battlefield announcements in the past um but yeah now james has just got me excited about that star wars announcement at, at <laughs> celebration next month that's uh all i can all i can really look forward to now i think do you think that'll be like we'll get the the Jedi Fall in order reveal there? Do you reckon that's your guess? Haven't James? I said they've said they've said they will. They've, they've already confirmed that, have they? I'm pretty sure they did. S- sick. 
very stoked for that. Uh, less stoked about the Nintendo Switch getting VR, though. Uh, Steven, did you see that the they've, like, labor, like, Labo, Labo, I don't know, I've still never figured out how you pronounce that. Is Labo. Uh, adding VR to the Switch and kind of finally answering these rumors? I mean, I... I'm sure it'll be fine. I think, like everything Labo, it's not really something that I'm personally... It's not really made for me. I don't really mm. see... I'm not going to try it. I can't really be bothered. Like, if I want to do my you know, first try of VR, I have a PlayStation VR. I don't really need this. And this, yeah. I guess, if you've already got a Switch, will be a relatively low-cost way to get in. It sort of reminds me of the whole Google Cardboard stuff, which was, I guess, mm. literally a VR kit made of cardboard with a bunch of lenses and... You stick a screen into it and there you go. I I don't know. I see a lot of people complaining that, oh, it's only a 720p screen. It's not going to be good VR. But I don't think that's the point. It's just Um, a little toy kit, really. But it's it's like, yeah, I get that it's not really intended to be a fully-fledged VR experience. But even with, like, the Google Cardboard, the resolution on people's phone screens are are generally pretty good. Um, Like, over 1080, if you've got you know, like a Huawei or a Samsung or an iPhone or whatever. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I feel like with a Switch strapped that close to your face and only sort of being 720, that it's going to not just look bad, but potentially hurt your eyes. Like, I don't know. Well, I remember I played around with the, like, the first developer kit version of... Um oculus rift and that was like a 720p kit as well that was yeah it wasn't like painful or anything it did kind of look like you were watching through uh like a fly screen window it was all kind of garbagey looking but the good old screen door effect i feel like this is going to be as much a vr game as the like labo uh, motorcycle game is a motorcycle simulation it's just it's just going to be some you know throwaway quick thing i don't think it's really anything anything interesting yeah. to be honest <laughs> james have you played around with any of the the labo stuff at all no i haven't it's just not really for me and i just can't really be bothered but it's a cool idea yeah yeah um, you, you you get around the idea do you i think the idea is great like the r&d that goes into it um is mm-hmm. like phenomenal and um just the way everything interlock like i've touched and used like, i haven't used one but i've like seen it all yeah, um, and it's ridiculous. Like, it's crazy. Like I can't even think to of how I would design something like that. Um, but it's just like I said, it's just not really for me. So I haven't really bought a pack. Yeah, um, and this yeah. this won't change my mind either. Um, but it's well, a cool way. Like Nintendo Net doesn't really do the same thing as everyone else, and I guess um, this is a cool way for them to do it. So will, mm. will it not change your mind that one of the kits has you looking like upper birds? But for some reason, I don't really understand why that's a thing. But you just look Looking up a bird's, up a bird's butt. what? But I, mean, I already do enough of that in my real life. I don't need. <laughs> Wait, don't well, need what VR. are we? What are like, we looking at with these birds? If you look Apparently at the um, you build like a bird's asshole, then you basically, look up it. like if you look at <laughs> the the article on Press Start, I thought I misheard the, you, um, but no, no, I heard you. No, right. <laughs> look at the boxes at the bottom of the article. On the very left, it's got like a kid looking into a bird's ass. It's great. Oh. It's... Oh, let me. I'm pulling this up now. Hang on. Oh, oh, yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I don't what know you... what the point of that is, but it makes a fun box. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't realize because it talks about the blaster, like coming with the blaster. But I didn't realize that was like actually attached to uh, the front of the the visor. There you go. Um, there was a bit of talk though about the camera, the the camera looking one with the VR. Would you be about a Pokemon Snap game with Switch VR, James? 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> like as an optional thing. Like I don't know. Like, sure. Just, yeah. Just give me a, like I don't think if you're going to do a Pokemon Snap game that the audience who wants a Pokemon Snap game would appreciate having to use Labo for it. Um, yeah, but. I mean, or at least, the, like, a separate sort of mount or something for it. Yeah, like, they made the vehicle kit compatible with Mario Kart, maybe something like that. Um, mm. But don't make it required, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an idea of what sort of VR games you would like to see on the Switch, Stephen? N- no, not really. <laughs> uh, I that, That's a big I, question to throw at you unprepared. <laughs> it is. I don't know. I enjoy VR stuff. There's some very cool stuff made for VR, but I don't know how how it would be better or different at all on Switch versus any other VR platform. Like, it'd be nicer than a phone in that I guess you can have physical controls instead of, I guess, like Google Cardboardy stuff. I don't know how controller compatible that ended up being. But, uh-huh. yeah, I if I if if there's a VR game, I can't see it being functionally different on this versus any other VR platform. So it's, yeah, not, not my yeah. cup of tea. I'd be down for like that Mar- for a Mario Kart VR. I think racing games work really well on VR and Mario Kart would be a giggle. Star Fox um, VR do barrel rolls. It. Star Fox VR, yeah, like kind of dogfights and stuff would be awesome. That'd make me extremely sick. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, especially if the screen's only 720. <laughs> uh, all right, I think it's time for What the Wiki then. What the Wiki is a Starcast game show where the host reads part of a Wikipedia page for an unknown game and the unit contestants must guess the game. Thanks to our official What the Wiki keeper of the school at Jamie Penning over on Twitter, we have a recap from last week in which it was James's turn to step up as the host for What the Wiki. Uh, the week was a duel between Ewan and Steven, and Steven showed off his knowledge in handheld gaming, uh, storming through to claim his second point for the season. Uh, so that puts Brody, James, and Steven out in the lead at two points, and me now trailing behind on one point. Uh, so my hope is that Steven's prepared like a bunch of uh, action-adventure, over-the-shoulder, third-person with RPG elements for me today. I got the order of those words all wrong. <laughs> I said I mean, it so many times at this point, I thought I'd have it down pat. But nope. I don't want to give anything away, but I, I made sure that they weren't too James-centric, let's say. They're, I've tried to make it an even fight. <laughs> all right, cool. I respect that. Uh, Stephen, take it away. Cool. Uh, I haven't heard from you in a minute, James. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, good. Um, cool. Well, this first one was it's- done... Hmm? It's usually at this point, James, that we kind of get like the nervous giggling in the background from James. <laughs> True. No, I'm just, I'm not really worried, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Talking so well, much now. Uh, this Do one it. is by, sent in by old mate Jamie Penning. Uh, it's known by two names, which maybe is a hint, but either one will do. Uh, so, the game, hmm. released in Europe and Australia as... A different name is a video game and the 12th platform installment of the series developed by, by HAL Laboratory and published by Nintendo. While <laughs> was released in 2010, this game is the first traditional franchise platforming home console game since Kirby 64 The Crystal Shards, which was released in 2000 for the Nintendo 64. I got no idea now. James, are you going to make me <laughs> suffer through this? Yeah. Do you already know what it is? <laughs> yeah. The title so- was released in North America in October 24, 2011. Do in Japan, three days later, October 27, 2011. And Europe on November 25, 2011. And in Australia on December 1, 2011. That's a lot of dates. Uh, so, the game features the staple gameplay of traditional Kirby platform games in which Kirby... Look, pl- I'll, look I'll play as Kirby every so often in Smash Bros, all right? But I've never touched a Kirby game in my life. Not so much that looked at one, really. This is... James, just... 
put me out of my misery, please. Oh, I don't actually. I'm I'm just waiting for like a hundred percent like definitive. I feel like you know? there's something coming up that might help in a few okay, sentences. Good. Uh, Kirby possesses the ability to inhale and copy enemies to gain a variety of attacks, such as breathing fire or swinging a sword. The game supports cooperative multiplayer gameplay, allowing up to four players to control various Kirby characters, including Waddle D, King D to D, and Meta Knight. Kirby's plot focuses on the characters retrieving scattered pieces of a crashed alien spaceship. The game, oh, James. Oh uh, yes. Is it which title do I have to give? Either one. Um, Kirby's Adventure. We. Yes, that's the which, ticket. Which, is, which title do I have to give? <laughs> well, it was called Kirby's Return Weird to flex, Dreamland. Okay. Everywhere else, Kirby's. Well, I don't know. Like, I don't want Steam to be like, no, I want the original name. <laughs> it was weird. The next sentence was the one I thought was going to be the hundred percent clincher because the game was ah. announced as a GameCube title released or to be released in two thousand five, and I remember being very excited for that. And apparently, you just had to wait six years for that to become a thing. But What's congrats- the other name? Um, the only reason I didn't go for the other name is because I don't know it. Uh, so- Kirby's Return to Dreamland, oh, which is right. a much better I it was name. Like, Kirby goes to Dreamland. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Had, well, that the, well, that was the prequel. Well, that was um, good. Congrats. So, why was that relevant for this week? Um, that is relevant because Kirby's Super Epic Yarn comes out this week on 3DS. There you go. There you go. Thanks, Jamie, for your your knowledge and embarrassing facts. me yet again. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the next one, I feel like you might have a chance on. Let's see how we go. All right. Okay. <laughs> so the game is an open world racing video game developed by Playground Games and published by Microsoft Studios mm. for Xbox One and Microsoft Windows. Okay. The, ga- the game features cross-platform play between the two platforms. The game was released on. 23 September 2016 for Ultimate Edition James. players. Oh. Yep. Forza Horizon 3. It is Forza Horizon 3. And yes. that's relevant because a mobile version of Forza got leaked recently. Oh. Uh, yeah, I was. I remember seeing this, but I'm not sure I'd buy it. Yeah, that screenshot uh, there was looks so much, real like, there was, gross. Someone made a really good case about it like uh, not being, like actually being a game that's already released. Oh, ah. I'm trying to pull up the. I'm struggling to remember what the that was called now. I'm trying to find it. It's all right. Cool. Well, as, as James is winning the the next. Oh wait, no, he's already got it. <laughs> oh yeah, he's just got it. Congratulations! <laughs> Don't believe leaks. Congratulations, James. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I would have. I would have been able to get that one if James wasn't so quick. At least I knew that one. Forza Street. So Forza Street was this rumored one. Apparently, um, yeah. But. Oh, if I doesn't have it here. It's all right. Uh, Well done, James. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Uh, So, James has now taken the lead. He's uh, stretched himself out to three points. Brody and Steven on two. uh, Myself humbly uh, bringing up the rear at one. Uh, And so, James, you'll be taking over the hosting duties next week. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> uh, with that, let's bring an end to what was episode 168 of the Starcast. Subscribe to us on, podca- on the podcast service of your choice. Follow us at press.au. Join the conversation with hashtag the Starcast and visit the site at press.com.au. We've been joined today by Stephen. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stephen Impson. Uh, I take photos of a cat that I pat for like 10 minutes straight the other day and it's on Instagram. He was a very polite boy. <laughs> Uh, and we've also been joined today by James. Yes, I'm here. Um, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> on at James, A-T-J-A-M-Z. Um, 
I am at the moment pretty much just exclusively tweeting about Devil May Cry. So if you want to know all about it, um, hit me up. Gosh, follow <laughs> or, for the dramatic story of, of uh, a save oh, file. Don't. I won't give too don't. much away, but that yeah, it gave I'd... me stress reading that. <laughs> <laughs> I had missed this. Guys... James had to fill me in prior to the, the show starting. And yeah, golly I was going to talk about it at the beginning of this episode, but we didn't get a chance. But like, <laughs> you just you just like imagine unlocking everything in a game after playing for like a good fifty to sixty hours, and then just deleting it. <laughs> like, no, I mean, not only unlocking everything, but you'd played through the entire campaign without taking a hit. Like, yeah, yeah, like that doesn't like, sound like something that's easily repeated. It's 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 fun. Well, I don't know. <laughs> What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's the great. That's the great Kelly said. I respect that. Uh, I've been your host, Ewan Roxburgh. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ewan underscore Roxburgh. Thanks again for tuning in time. And until next time, thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, happy gaming. Bye, friendos. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> Bye, friendos.